0: I'm Evan.
1: And I'm Hannah.
0: We're working together to make a sequel to our first role-playing game, Questlandia, and we're documenting that process in real time.
1: Today we're taking another look at the people who travel between worlds in our game. We're changing the rules, and now the story might have to change too. Maybe in a spooky way.
0: So our latest work on Questlandia has changed the junk poets again. Do you want to briefly go over who the junk poets are for the new, new listeners who want to just jump in on episode 30? 30.
1: Is it 30? (laughs) Yeah. 29. Uh, Yeah, so in our original game, Questlandia, you create these worlds and you play in this weird, weird world once you you never play in the world again, you take on the role of characters in this world trying to do something uh, while your world collapses around you. In Questlandia 2, we're trying to introduce these interconnected stories where even if you play in different kingdoms, every time your worlds are connected by this met overarching meta plot. So with that, we introduce the junk poets, these travelers who are these like scrappy, uh, you know, alternate universe millennials who travel between worlds but we've had a really hard time figuring out exactly how present the junk poets are in the game like is it you know you play inside a world and when you're in the world you're the slug king but then also you're henrietta the junk poet playing as the slug king who is also played by evan roland does that sound accurate evan
0: it does It sounds uh, also like you've expressed some of the confusion. Well,
1: (laughs) yeah. Uh, So this is some of the trouble we've had: is in a GM-less campaign game, how to make the junk poets tools to assist the players instead of uh, these extra characters that add confusion.
0: In our latest version of the rules, we've been more explicit than ever about using the junk poets as uh, coordinators of the game, as having a GM role where they're creating scenes, creating conflict, sort of running the action of the game. And that's been good. It's nice. It's a nice feeling to have somebody else in charge of running the scene. And we're just like, oh, it's just Henrietta the Junk Poet's gonna handle this.
1: Yeah, it's sort of like, you know, if you imagine an apocalypse world playbook the junk poet represents the moves and mechanics part of your playbook. It's a little confusing. That's probably not a good description.
0: Well, that is kind of where it's at now, where, the, where this incarnation of the junk poets is the most abstracted version ever. Like Henrietta is a set of instructions for how to call for a scene and how to introduce conflict during it which is really hard to understand as a character.
1: I'm barely (laughs) understanding it right now as we're saying it. And, uh, you know, we're making the game.
0: So at this point, we're going back to the junk poet narrative, the metaphor of them as survivors of a failed society that are scrappy millennials crossing the plains and seeing if there is a different story about them that better suits the mechanical role they now have in the game does that make sense
1: we've had a number of different iterations of the junk poet since our work on this game and since the podcast started there was this point in which i I think our earliest idea for the game was that uh our characters were all on this like psychedelic spaceship, this like sentient spaceship. I don't even know if we've ever talked about this one. And uh, the, uh, were they like traveling between, I don't know. I don't know about that idea. I don't remember the details.
0: So the ideal is that the mechanics of these characters and the story of them are perfectly aligned. each support each other the story of them helps you remember the mechanics the mechanics make it easier to play out that story it's a beautiful thing but because when you're designing you can only design one thing at a time you know as the mechanics change the story lags behind Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so at this point the question is what kind of world hopping travelers would have the ability to frame scenes within a kingdom to choose what characters appear to guide the story to sort of step back and say like, I want to see a scene. I want to see a scene about how this blacksmith learned his craft.
1: Who gets um, to do that? I, uh, I think uh, here in the back (laughs) I have the answer. Oh, um, it's, uh, a ghosts ghosts could do that.
0: All right. Serious answers only please.
1: Uh, um, a ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's ghosts.
0: <laughs> the way I just described this character who can call for a scene and see the backstory of another character is something like a writer, something like a film director. A film critic? Well, ghosts is a weird answer because that's not the kind of thing that we ever imagine ghosts saying, right?
1: So, ghosts might seem kind of silly as a metaphor, but uh, they do a few things. First, it's like an excuse for having a character who's omnipresent without being like corporeally present. Second, ghosts traditionally if they are like inhabiting you know the the physical realm in some way and like you know interacting with the physical world it's because there's something that they need to do or settle or resolve before being able to move to the uh next plane of their ghostly existence so uh, i find
0: that pretty convincing i'm coming around to ghosts
1: <laughs> right i mean so it's like Why does the ghost... I don't even remember what your original question was. Something about a blacksmith.
0: Yeah, how did they learn their craft? You know, it's like a very practical-minded ghost.
1: Yeah, and I mean, ghosts are vehicles for telling stories across time also. So uh, there are good reasons to sort of like have this scene now suddenly in the past of this blacksmith's family working for generations and it helps us answer questions in the present and maybe gives the ghosts some information that they need to tell the next part of this story and eventually have things, you know, come together for themselves. I mean, we have these junk poets who were, you know, we've talked about them being people who are like being sent out to gather artifacts for this nefarious galactic museum (laughs) that was one of our ideas i don't even know at this point which ideas we've set on the podcast and which we haven't but ghosts can in some ways do the same thing like they they are on uh, missions of the soul
0: this is all firmly established by the canon of ghosts of christmas past present and future
1: exactly i mean basically we're just uh (laughs) you know ripping straight from dickens (laughs) <laughs> slash Muppets Christmas special.
0: I think this will be sort of the the Oliver twist of role-playing games. <laughs> inside joke for long-time podcast <laughs> listeners.
1: <laughs> <laughs> In every other episode, we have to compare Questlandia to the great works of fiction.
0: So the issue with ghosts is we're worried about character overload. Like, if Hannah the ghost and Evan the ghost and Oliver Twist the ghost are all in a scene with Kirk the blacksmith and...
1: Lars the slug king.
0: And High Kirk, the blacksmith's father. (laughs) High Kirk. (laughs) Then... (laughs)
1: That's like a lot of... And then, you know, obviously Hannah the non-ghost and Evan the non-ghost. And we don't have a friend named Kirk, but like Kirk, the person, are all at the table. Oh, man.
0: Do you do that thing where in a role-playing game you name NPCs after pl- actual players at the table? <laughs> just, to, just to keep everybody on their toes.
1: Wait, which Evan are we talking about? Like Evan pass the snacks or Evan like kill the king? <laughs>
0: both <laughs> Um, I think that's legitimate and at the same time uh, it's it, I think it just demands a play test we just have to see if it really works out where it's like what if two ghosts in a scene start bickering with each other are we getting like way out of the story or is that actually exciting I don't know
1: Yeah. I mean, when we first came up with this idea, we were like, oh, this is perfect because we've had this issue with like how present the junk poets should be in the scene. You know, if you're playing as the junk poet gardener, is that just that you urge characters to have gardening related scenes and like plant care scenes? Or is it that every character that you play, like when you play Henrietta or when you play Kirk, should they have to be sort of eco-minded characters also? So at first we thought that making these junk poets ghosts could like remove some of that burden because ghosts uh, lack corporeality and they can be sort of like looking at the scene from a bird's eye view. But now we're like, Oh, we really need to playtest this because, actually, in some ways, this makes the junk poets more tangible than they've been in the past.
0: It's worth mentioning that this might be tied to another new mechanic of the game, which we haven't playtested as well, which is called boom not having. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
1: It was good practice at laughing at my jokes more immediately <laughs> after I say them, which is something we've talked about, you know. No, that, this you is gotta... the
0: downside of my genuine laughter <laughs> is that it's just ha huh. <laughs> just
1: one sustained honk. <laughs>
0: uh.
1: and what's the uh, what's the new mechanic?
0: The other new mechanic is having the in-world characters that we're meeting that are part of this kingdom not be individually owned by the players at the table in original questlandia everybody makes a character and that's their character and they're going to control that character for the whole story in questlandia 2 at this point we're considering having characters that are more shared we could trade control of them or leave them behind entirely and meet new people in the middle of the story.
1: Yeah. And we're not totally sold on it yet, but it is one idea that we've had for, um, you know, addressing some of the potential chaos, you know, having so many different characters that you have to control at once. Like if you kind of have the stability of your junk poet and you always know that when you are, acting on a scene you were acting as the mischief maker or acting as the gardener uh then it's like okay to pick up you know henrietta or to be playing as lars having gardening scenes instead of always being this drunk poet and always being henrietta whoo i feel like this is hard to even <laughs> i hope this makes sense <laughs>
0: Both as a podcast and as mechanics,
1: yeah. yeah so uh, you know, character non-monogamy—it wouldn't be the first game to do it, but um, uh, it's has more examples in role-playing games of being the norm to stick with one character than not. A weirdly constructed sentence there, but you get the gist. Well,
0: if we're not tied to a specific character, that's a member of this kingdom. Then maybe there's more room to have our junk poet be an actual character in the scene, even as a ghost. Yeah. That's the idea. Uh, the proof will be in testing it out.
1: Yeah, the proof will be in the spooky pudding. Uh, <laughs> That's a phrase, right? That's a thing people say. Proof Spooky is in- pudding? No, mm, people no. are always talking about spooky pudding. <laughs> I think like the proof is in the pudding. They do say
0: that. That is a really weird phrase. I don't
1: know the (laughs) origins of it. I have no idea what it means.
0: The proof is in the pudding.
1: Anyway. The
0: proof is in the pudding.
1: Whether anybody in the history of time has ever said the proof will be in the spooky pudding, I don't know.
0: It's equally believable.
1: Probably somebody said it. So... Yeah, our hope, you know, this idea has to be play tested, and we're going to play test this shortly. But the hope is that this will both cement the role of the junk poets, and I don't know. In some ways, I don't think this was even our intention going into this. But I have a theory that it will actually shift a lot of the emphasis to the junk poets, uh, yeah. and and really make them more characters than they've ever been. And I don't want to say that it will have like Lars and I, I'm I'm mixing up all these names now, uh, but, you know. All
0: right. Kirk High, Blacksmith. High Kirk, High Kirk Blacksmith Dad. <laughs> Lars Slug King.
1: Okay. And Henrietta is a junk poet. Yeah. Okay. I messed that up. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I feel like it could potentially have this effect then of having like Kirk and High Kirk kind of, I don't want to say drift to the background but i i don't know it it almost as
0: though they were the ghosts whoa it it i shouldn't have said it, that it
1: shifts the narrative <laughs> focus in a way that i think is going to be really interesting
0: all right do you want to take a play test break to find out if we're talking nonsense
1: i do i think that we should just sit down and play test this idea and then come back and talk about how it went
0: let's do that <laughs> here here
1: we're going to go for a little bit we're going to pull together a spontaneous play test of junk poets as ghosts maybe high kirk will be in the scene who knows how high kirk will be controlled because anybody can control him right
0: Uh, That's right.
1: Uh, And we'll be back to talk about how that went. So we are back from our play test.
0: If you can call it that. Yeah. A a, uh, a play a play experience.
1: You know, I think that like anytime you sit down and not just like there's a lot of times that I feel like we set an intention to record the podcast or set an intention to play test and then it just gets pushed back and pushed back. But like I think we actually, we, we did the thing. Like, I think what we did could be considered a playtest of some sort.
0: I'm not a scholar. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm willing to concede it. <laughs>
1: uh, okay, do you want to talk about how it went?
0: Yeah. So we did a walking playtest.
1: Yeah, that was kind of, um, that uh, was new.
0: Creating a world uh as we walked into town and that went pretty well um i i was i was sort of surprised at how little i felt like we needed to record for the world to feel all coherent and
1: memorable record like right down yeah yeah it was cool because i mean even though this is not a goal of the game per se it was shocking to uh, have questlandia 2 be a game that was so easily played while we were just like going on a walk
0: yeah i feel like it it's conceivable we could make like a little travel kit for the game ooh that's it that awesome. just has you know minimal notes like the the least that you need to be reminded of in order to play the game while recording nothing.
1: Yeah, it just has like a survival blanket, a headlamp, <laughs> of some water yeah. water purification Uh-oh. tablets.
0: And a crank-operated radio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe one of the higher backer levels, you know, Queenslandia 2 Extreme Wilderness Edition. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How to rebuild civilization.
1: Um, uh, yeah, it was a really good conversation, though. So we started out building this world that was uh what did what two symbols did we start with i think we started with like an anchor and uh turtle and a turtle and we picked the anchor Anchor.
0: kingdom hook
1: kingdom hook yeah so we had this kingdom of raccoons
0: they lived on an archipelago
1: who lived on yeah archipelago archipelago's i guess (laughs) Is it archipelago uh, and then it implies multiples, or is it archipelago? like, is one archipelago multiple one islands? One archipelago
0: is made up of many islands. Okay.
1: Yeah. So we had these raccoons who had this forgotten ritual of uh, <laughs> pouring out bins of like confetti, just like tipping over bins of confetti. Was this sort of ancient yeah, Who knows forgotten how ritual. that originated? Yeah. Um, Their islands were connected by these um, like sort of sort of like crisscrossing clothesline systems that had uh, notes that they would be passing back and forth to each other that had like scraps of their history that had food. And it was sort of like this living uh, Internet.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And they'd. uh... Oh, they had an interesting political structure, too that involved breaking into lots of little groups. What were the groups called?
1: I think a group of raccoons doing politics is called a chittering racket.
0: Oh, yeah. They broke into rackets. Yeah. (laughs) I liked that. Anyway, it was a nice world. It felt very Questlandia. I felt ready for an adventure in it. And we got to the point where we're like, okay, it's time to play test some ghosts. Yeah. Then we're like... Wait a second.
1: (laughs) Well, to be fair, (laughs) we did spend about 20 minutes of the walk arguing about how many raccoons could fit on the back of a sea turtle.
0: Which I said, like, 20. I
1: was like, it's got to be closer to five, unless I really don't know how big a sea turtle is.
0: So, you know, if there's one reason to ever tweet to us, it's to set this record straight. And
1: like... I'm imagining these raccoons as not like stacked on top of each other, like, you know, in a in a cheerleader pyramid. I'm imagining them, you know, everybody with like, they can be huddled, but I am imagining yeah. one layer of raccoons.
0: I'm with you. Huddled, wearing tiny little raincoats. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. These raccoons were hydrophobic. Um, So, yeah, we played to the point that we were like, oh, let's put the ghosts in, the junk poet ghosts in the scenes now, and then we didn't know how. Well, we had a lot of questions.
0: So we immediately realized that we had a problem with the order. We were starting to put in the ghosts, and our heads were full of this new raccoon society, and we immediately started making you know, junk poet characters that had something to do with the raccoon society.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I,
0: and it's like, wait, Nope. That's backwards.
1: Yeah. I immediately was like, oh, I'll take the, the builder archetype. And then I started to kind of write in my character in that world, like my raccoon builder. And that's a problem we've thought we would have in the game is like, How hard will it be to separate the concept of the junk poets from the idea of whatever character you're playing in the world?
0: So it's crucial to come up with your junk poets or your ghosts before you make the world. Because they should be independent. You know, definitely interested and invested in the world, but not of it.
1: Yeah. A big help for me also was just Thinking about, so we have these booklets right now that say things like the gardener, the builder, the mischief maker, the investigator, uh, and those are like the junk poet ghost archetypes. It was helpful in our conversation to talk about redoing those books to say something rather than like the investigator, just like investigation. Uh, Because our Mm -hmm. last episode, we talked about the junk Poets as GM tools, and even though this actually makes them kind of more characters than they've ever been before, it, I think, is helpful to not do that, like, self-insertion or, like, character insertion if you imagine them not as the investigator, but as, like, you have this tool in the game to do investigations. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, I feel like the... The thrust of this new version of the Junk Poets is that they are less archetypal, less abstract, and more human in their interest. Which means, you know, they might have a focus, they're interested in buildings, but that's not their whole character anymore. Of Just being the architect who is all concerned with buildings, but it's more like you are a character, you have your own likes and dislikes, you have a specialty but you also have a broad range of things you can do and ways that you can change over the course of the game
1: yeah we kept coming back to a christmas carol as actually a pretty good example for how to visualize the junk poets like you have a junk poet ghost of christmas past who shows things from the past <laughs> you have a Junk poet gardener, who is maybe uh, this three foot tall s- sprite made of vines that shows, you know, visions of a world touched by nature.
0: Part of the hope with thinking about them is, as, <laughs> as I mean, I thought of them as muppets. Uh, <laughs> is it's the idea of having a distinct way that your character looks and a kind of behavior like a way that they talk and they move and they they choose to do their stuff that lets you actually role play them um right now all the junk poets have a sort of similar tone uh from a distance like i am the spirit of gardening i will show you plants here is a place where nature has nurtured us and everybody has that tone and it doesn't sound particularly like you know somebody who thinks about getting lunch sometimes yeah it's just like it's a very abstracted kind of character Mm -hmm. uh and this new version the ghostly version uh i want people to be able to actually jump in as the junk poet and to you know talk in character to do things in character if you want to be a spooky ghost of of the future, of Christmas future, and say, you know, my ghost is tall, the face is obscured. Uh, He rarely speaks, he mainly just points. Uh, Then you at least have some idea of how you're going to behave in the scene, and how you're going to direct attention, and like a distinct way to play it.
1: Yeah, or my junk poet is the, uh, you know, brings mischief into the scene. They often take the form of small animals or cats. They, you know, can sort of interact with the world corporeally, and they tend to knock things over.
0: That's really good. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, another good mischief maker in manifestation would be like the Peter Pan shadow. Where it's like I'm the shadow of different people in the scene Oh, that's great. Act independently. Yeah. Things like that, where it's like, okay, I'm a, I have a playful role along with special tools to change the scenes and direct attention. Having these kinds of personalities where you can actually play your junk poet uh, and jump back and forth between the way that your junk poet's behaving and the way that the world you're exploring is revealing or interacting sounds really appealing to me.
1: Yeah, it was um, it was a funny walk playtest because I kept just being like, I, I don't know, it felt like this breakthrough for me on some really obvious things. And one of those things was that, you know, Questlandia 1 had ownership, which was this idea that when you came up with something in the world, you were like, okay, this world has uh, mushroom festivals. You don't have to... Mark those as important until somebody asks a question about them, like, uh, you know, how long have we had the mushroom festivals or uh, do we like eat the mushrooms? Are they a food edible or psychedelic edible? And after somebody asks a question, somebody will own the mushroom festivals. And it was a part of the game that like some worked really well for some people, but the game didn't really have a lot of ways to reinforce it. So other groups kind of just forgot about it. And these junk poets are essentially like an evolution of the idea of this concept of ownership with ways of reinforcing that concept again and again. It blew my mind. And it's, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's like an expanded version of it where they're not just answering the questions, but they can ask them too. They can distribute the responsibility of fleshing out this part of the world. I. I really just want to replace the phrase fleshing out with something else. Yeah,
1: you don't like thinking about fleshy things.
0: I mean, I don't know why it got this way, but like I just really think about adding flesh mm. when I say fleshing out.
1: Beefing out the world.
0: You know, that that actually sits much better with me. <laughs> uh, and I'm just going to not overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So as a junk poet, as a junk poet ghost, you're beefing out the world in your specific direction with your specific focus. <laughs> um, you have your own look, your own way of behaving, and that opens up a new set of questions because we're getting quite far from the original idea of junk poets, which were these, you know scrappy millennial survivors of a failed society yeah
1: scrounging around in a buried library
0: right we're looking at characters who look wildly different from one another um who behave differently who have different motives and interests in the world and then the question is just sort of who are these people Are they still junk poets?
1: We've been so, I don't want to say hung up on this phrase, junk poets, but it's just been a term that we've carried forward into the game for a really long time, and it may be time to let it go.
0: (laughs) Maybe that's this episode. Uh, Goodbye to the junk poets. Yeah
1: it feels
0: long live the junk ghost
1: (laughs) yeah i don't even feel that sad about it because i am really happy with where we've landed right now
0: it feels it feels really promising to me um i'm kind of excited about this group of ghosts traveling between the worlds we've only just begun to think about the questions that this brings up and the kinds of answers that are possible. You know, the question of why are these people also different from one another in the questlandia world hopping setting. It just makes sense that they come from different worlds, that these are regular people of their own societies. Mm -hmm. Uh, but when you put them together as ghosts, it makes a very odd cast of characters.
1: One thing that we talked about is that, like, in losing the name "junk poets," if we don't stick with that name, like, I think one reason that we became really fond of that name was that it kept the game in like this like lowbrow space, uh, as opposed to like this sort of highbrow, like high fantasy. You know, they're not junk poets; they're. Uh, a theory travelers of a theory atlas. and mm-hmm. you know with ghosts ghosts can take so many different forms they can be playful they can be spiritual they can be like these uh crystalline entities and we want to come up with a name and a way of of being for them that keeps them in that kind of like, I don't know, implies a sense of playfulness to the game and says that the game takes itself seriously, but not too much.
0: You want to give a serious foundation and then give permission to be playful on top
1: of it. Yeah.
0: And this sort of addresses an issue I think we've mentioned before with the junk poets, which was the sort of stern distant, mystical tone that they all had. Yeah. Which was sort of endearing in a certain way. The gardener being like, it is the blooms of nature.
1: It really was. I know we went a little extra with some of our descriptions. (laughs) It was just like, you reap and you sow, you nourish and you provide. (laughs) (laughs) But you want a little
0: bit of that. Yeah. You want to feel like you're You know, like you're doing something of consequence that justifies uh, having a full campaign there, but you also want to be playful about it. Yeah. Do you want to talk about ghost crossings?
1: Yeah. So in trying to answer this question of who are the ghosts, where do they come from, where do they go? (laughs)
0: <laughs> Don't say it.
1: Where? I'm trying so. Where? Um, <laughs> uh, so in answering this question of where do the ghosts come from, we uh, also keep coming back to uh, the subtle knife as you know something that we draw inspiration from for the game. And we thought it was really cool if these were you know, people from any of these worlds who are now ghosts, who are floating between the worlds and crossing between worlds. There's only so many places, uh, like openings between the worlds that you can travel to. And we thought that it was really cool if there were there's these points in the game, you know, maybe certain roles or certain outcomes that allow you to discover or open a new rift between the worlds, and that that's also a perfect opportunity to check in with the group and be like, "Is it time to go to a new world?" Um,
0: that's like a completely new idea for a mechanic of the game. Yeah, one where the opportunity to leave the world comes at an unpredictable moment. Uh, It could interrupt what feels like the story of the game, give us all a chance to start over. um, Or we could decline and not know how much longer we're going to be in this world.
1: Yeah. You know,
0: it has risks in the way that it is naturally disruptive to narratives, right? It's not like it waits for the Happily Ever After to open up.
1: No, I mean, it's, it really is different. I mean, Subtle Knife is really like, it is this book that takes place between multiple worlds. So the arc is not fully resolved in one space. It requires going to all of these different places and, you know, going to this world where uh, there's only children because adults have been eaten by these ghostly apparitions Uh, and it's, you know, the entire adventure isn't spent there. Yeah. It's a big question.
0: I think it does reinforce the idea of this is a campaign game about world hopping and less like, let's tell complete individual little stories of worlds.
1: Yeah. On the, on the setting level and on the character level.
0: Mm -hmm. It also could involve it also could involve uh, a change of cast between worlds you know traveling through a ghost crossing could mean that some of the ghosts don't go all the way through Mm -hmm. and players at the table choose a different archetype to play in the next world or they could keep the same ghost and maybe change that ghost and beef them out yeah
1: Yeah, so you could leave, you know, you could leave Cotton Eye Joe behind and uh, take on, I don't know, Ghost Macarena in the next world.
0: Ghost Macarena. I guess that dance is like a ghost at
1: this point. You know, (laughs) when was the last time you went to a bar mitzvah? (laughs) Because Ghost Electric Slide is alive and well
0: so we uh, even given that this was a play test of sorts i feel like there is another play test in our future to actually create some ghosts put them into scenes and have them interact with the raccoons
1: i do feel like that's the next step uh and i feel like with that will also come a 2.0 of these junk poet sheets uh probably no longer called junk poet sheets where i'm going to like shift some of the language from investigator investigator uh <laughs> i don't know why it's like if you if you drop the hard t it really sounds crocodilic um, <laughs> <laughs> um if changing
0: I mean with the new ghosts, that's more that's possible true. than ever. I'm the right?
1: investigator. I have a row of sharp <laughs> teeth and I have a spy hat. <laughs> but I'm also a gator.
0: I investigate things by pretending to be a log for three days.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, so I'm going to edit the junk poet sheets to change the language more to sort of like verbiage than nounage. Um, All right. Yeah.
0: Cool. (laughs) Um,
1: And with that, I also really, I really liked what you said, Evan, about, you know, ownership being this thing before where other people asked questions and you answered, but I really like thinking about it instead as like you asking questions about this specific, these specific parts of the world and other people answering. It's so cool. Like it feels like such a natural evolution of some of the things that we're trying to do.
0: It feels a little less stressful to me Yeah, if I'm in charge of something to just be like, well, I I get to ask interesting questions about it and have other people, you know, carry some of that creative load.
1: The beef, you mean, carry the beef.
0: Yeah, they shoulder (laughs) that beef.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Anything else?
0: So we don't have a name for these ghosts. We don't know what they're doing in the worlds what they're trying to uh, understand. We don't know how they change between worlds. We don't know what causes a ghost crossing to appear or if a ghost crossing is a good idea. I think we've done very well.
1: I think so. <laughs> but maybe I'm an optimist. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't know when we're going to get to that next play test, but hopefully in the not too distant future and in the meantime i don't know let us know what you think like about this idea of ghosts
0: tell us anything about ghosts yeah did you once see a ghost
1: don't tell us that because i'm too scared <laughs> ghosts are just like one of my it's like we have there's like rules about what is okay to talk about and not okay to talk about in a casual conversation and there's just like something about ghosts these ghosts i'm okay with
0: what would it be like to play a game about ghosts designed by people who are afraid of ghosts yeah
1: (laughs) <laughs> I guess we're gonna find out So, yeah, is it like Is it sad leaving the drunk poets behind? Does this idea have beef under it? Let us know
0: <laughs> Beef around it, beef through it
1: What do you think our next episode's gonna be about, Evan?
0: I think it's gonna be about The continuation Of this discussion More ghosts I think we're going to have some actual ghosts, actual true life, 100% real ghosts.
1: I guess it'll be a good Halloween episode then. Ooh. 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 <laughs> okay. Yeah. So if you have thoughts or questions about ghosts, you can tweet to us or about anything. Uh, you can tweet to us at DesignDocPod or email us at DesignDocPod. at gmail.com. We are sometimes very slow to respond to emails. Uh I do this thing where I like don't answer emails about the last episode until we record the next episode. But sometimes we're like really behind recording the next episode. So uh just know that they are read and they are answered and just like we're on turtle time.
0: I That was just really (laughs) well said. I don't know. I don't have anything to add to it. It's it's absolutely true.
1: So with that, we'll see you back in two weeks.
0: The Design Doc intro-outro theme is composed by our friend, musician, Pat King. Thanks, Pat.
1: Design Doc is hosted by the OneShot Podcast Network. OneShot hosts other great shows like Asians Represent. Asians Represent celebrates Asian creators and diversity in the gaming community. Join the hosts Agatha Chang and Daniel Kwan as they discuss gaming, genre, and representation with their guests and occasionally argue with each other to the sound of Agatha's beloved airhorn app. Uh, I believe they also have another podcast which I haven't listened to yet. That is a D and D actual play podcast called Dungeons and da Asians, which was just nominated for an <laughs> audio vor- audio-verse award. So uh, you should listen to that too because that's awesome. What do we say is after? There oh else yeah, that so, we so we'll say? see you. Thanks for listening. Right.
0: <laughs> Thanks for listening. La- Thanks for laughing. Thanks for laughing nay thanks for listening we'll see you next time heroes